Welcome to today's Word of Mom Radio here on the Word of Mom Media Network. I'm your host, Dory DiCarlo, and you know we are here week after week, show after show, breaking those myths that mompreneurs and businesswomen, especially those of us building our businesses from home, that we're just dabbling in between bake sales and getting our nails done, we're not. We are smart, we are savvy, and we are sharing the wisdom of women in business and in life. And I'm thrilled to be bringing back somebody who's been on the show a long time ago and is still out there making a difference. Sharon Silver's warmth, honesty, and holistic point of view sets her so far apart as an author and a coach, educator, speaker, blogger, and former online radio TV host. Her passion for children was born the day her first child arrived. Her education in parenting, early childhood development, interpersonal processes, four certifications in parenting, plus training from the Klein Fay, INCAF, and Giselle Institute of Child Development created ProactiveParenting.net and her book, Stop Reacting and Start Responding, 108 Ways to Transform Behavior into Learning Moments. And I have to tell you, all these years, I just love everything that she shares. So I'm thrilled to be bringing her back. Sharon, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. I am thrilled to be back. And we have known each other for a while. We certainly have. And it's really (laughs) been fun. And I want you to take us on that journey of that number one thing that defines you in the sea of parenting experts? I think my number one thing is that I've been where everyone is. I have been frustrated. I've been emotionally exhausted. I have been crazed and I have not known what to do next. I have known in my soul that I had to change what I was doing from yelling and reacting to not yelling, but there wasn't any information out there about how to do it. There just wasn't. You talk about react, respond. Yes. So what does that really mean? Reacting is born from a wound. It comes from your own uh, childhood and the reactions that were given to you and the decisions that you made as a child as a result. The bottom line is that when you react, you basically are telling a child, I'm going to be in charge of telling you when you're right and when you're wrong. What that does is it sends a very misleading message to a child. It gives them the the idea that someone will always step in and tell them when they're wrong and tell them what they should do to fix it. And that's not true. That's not the goal of parenting. The goal is to work on our own triggers and our children present triggers to us. And our goal is to let go of that and find a way to bring better skills to our kids. So remember that when you're reacting, It's born from a wound and you have to ask yourself, am I reacting to my child and what they did? Or am I just reacting because someone yelled at me in traffic? Interesting. What have you learned about how to stop yelling? I've learned a great deal about it, but what I would love to do, if it's okay with you, is I'd like to share a story that 
happened to me that really tells the story of why it's so important to stop reacting and how you can draw that boundary and that line for yourself in the middle of an event with your kid. I so, love it. Okay. So I am definitely a proud mom of two strong-willed adults. They were not easy to raise and I was not perfect at it. But like every parent, I found that I really had to start working through my own story in order to parent. You know, I'm not going to brag here because I'm not a bragger, but you get a sense as you're parenting that you must have done something right. Because when I look at my kids, my relationship with them is far deeper, far richer and more loving than anything I ever had with my parents. And I am really proud of that. But I did model what my mother sent to me. And by the way, she gives me full permission to tell this story. So weeks before we went into lockdown in 2020, we all remember that, right? My son brought his girlfriend home to meet the parents. And so it was a little tense. I kept asking, are we passing the in-law test? How are we doing? And he finally said to me, mom, what could possibly be wrong? We have a great relationship. And I thought, yeah, that's true, but I really wish you knew the hurdles and the challenges I had to face to get us there. And instantly, an incident, that top incident popped into my mind. So step back with me into the Wayback Machine, as they say, to Christmas performance of my three-year-old, the same guy who just brought his girlfriend to meet the parents. And my mom is attending. And I'm kind of apprehensive about that because things have never been easy between me and mom. We're just different people. And things were particularly tense back then. And I bring this story to you because mom is a reactor and she lashes out in anger. And she basically modeled that for me and my sister all the years we were growing up. And it became so pervasive that I remember one day when my three-year-old, he was testing his power and he wanted what he wanted and he decided he was going to yell to try and get it. And he yelled and I was yelling. I wasn't responding back then. And I glanced down at my hand and I noticed that it was tense and outstretched, like I was going to automatically step up and smack him. I didn't, but that flashback, what linked the past to the present, was so overwhelming it knocked the wind right out of me. But we walk into the school play, all my friends are there, my son's teachers are there, the whole community is there. We basically live in a small town. And the play begins and we're all laughing and having a great time. Because if you've ever attended a three-year-old's performance, you know it is a torturous hour of love and pride and tears as they flub all their mistakes. So we're having a ball. And all of a sudden, I and the audience hear somebody say, what a waste of time. And my brain began to explode with crazy because I realized that comment was coming from my mother. And I didn't understand how that woman could say that about her grandson's first performance. So after the play, we're stepping outside and it happened. Words were exchanged between me and mom. Apparently I was still reacting to what she said and I said something that really offended her. She began yelling, I began yelling, and then she slapped me across the face. She slapped me across the face in front of my community, in front of my friends, in front of my son's teachers, in front of my husband, and in front of my son. And as I was processing this, my three-year-old, who was holding my hand, squeezed my hand and looked up and said, Mommy, doesn't Nana love you? 
And as embarrassing and angering as it was to be hit in public, it was far more painful to listen to my son ask such a profound question. Because we all know when someone yells at you, you don't feel loved, you don't feel cared for, you're horrified, you're stunned. Having to interpret my son's reaction at the same moment that I was processing being smacked was more than I could bear and I didn't react. But that incident made me make a decision. It changed my life and it changed my career. It caused me to devote my life to making sure that my relationship with my sons was never gonna be like that. And it helped me heal my relationship with my mom. Because let's be honest, people who hurt inside tend to hurt people. And learning just that fact began to transform things for me because I knew that my mother had been beaten as a child. I also knew that she really thought she was doing something different because she would say, at least I'm not hitting you with a belt like my father did to me. I came to understand that she had no support. She had no resources. She had no idea what she was doing. And back then you hit kids to get them to do what you wanted. That was just the way of things. But I knew in my soul that I had to stop this from leaking into another generation. I had to grow and learn. I had to find another way to raise my kids. Most of us can relate to this because we all have wounds from reactions. And those wounds begin releasing when our kids frustrate and trigger us. And that's why my life is devoted to having everyone pay attention to those moments when you raise your voice, your stomach gets tight, or you just want to shut down those, seal, those feelings. But I have a couple suggestions today, but that is my story. That's an amazing story. And good for you that it became a transformative story yes. in your life, as opposed to another chapter yes. in the abuse that you lived through. Right, right. And because that cycle, we see it all the time. People that perpetuate the cycle, people who break the cycle. Yes, I am a cycle breaker. And the interesting thing is that, you know, you and I are similar in age. Back then, you would never think of that as abuse because abuse would have been, you know, this was a rare thing that happened to me, but it did happen. So abuse in my mind and in my parents' mind was constant abuse and constant diminishment. And that wasn't what was happening. It was normal. It was kind of like madman. I grew up in the 60s. I'm so fortunate because my mom was my best friend growing yeah. up. I didn't have any sisters. I had three brothers. There was nothing I didn't tell my mom. She was always there for me. I lost my mom when I was 33 and I knew what I was losing. Yeah. You know, so many of my friends who lost their moms didn't realize until afterwards. Yeah. But my mother broke her cycle. Right. Because my mother grew up not in that loving atmosphere. Right. And so everything she didn't have is what she gave us. Right. right. I never realized that we really didn't have money. My mother right. always had a nice place to live and stuff like that, but we never went on vacations. We never, you know, went on trips and things like that. Right. My mom worked to take care of us. My older brother went into the air force and sent money home every month. I started working when I was 12. It wasn't until my mother was dying and we were talking about how she was like, you know, she always gave us tea and toast was our nighttime snack. She was like, bread was 10 cents a loaf. And I knew you were going to bed full. It never occurred to any of us 
Right. Because my mother made everything so much fun in our life. Our house was always open there. When my mother died, there were 285 kids who called her mom. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Because my mother was the house where people came, where they had nowhere to go. And I became that as my kids, you know, my brothers laughed. They were like, you totally became mom. You know, (laughs) I was that house that, that always had everybody else's kids in it and stuff like that. I was, I was very fortunate. So again, I applaud you for taking that and making it not only transform the kind of mother that you are, but the relationship you had going forward with your own mom. Well, the interesting thing is that one of the reasons my mom gives me permission to tell the story is because she became a cycle breaker. You know, this was part of her breaking that cycle. She didn't realize that was inside of her. She had pulled us away from her family, moved us to California when her when she and my father got divorced. So the bottom line is she was a cycle breaker, but she hadn't taken it as far as I was. I was absolutely putting down a boundary. This is the line in the sand. It's never going to happen. And I never touched my kid. It became extremely important. The things that I learned from parenting and the ways that children make these assumptions, they use their age-appropriate immature reasoning to make decisions that now is embedded in the foundation of their psyche. And so it's a misunderstanding. In other words, when parents cannot control themselves, a child sees it and uses that immature thinking and says, if my all-knowing parents can't control themselves when they get upset, then there is no hope for me. Why even try? Because I'm just a kid. So parents, you have to look at those silent messages that are being fed. And then further down the road, once your kid is a tween or a teen, they start rejecting the wisdom that you have because you have proven over and over again that you can't be trusted. You lose your temper, but you're holding me accountable for losing my temper. There's a disconnect there. And so that's very hard for parents, but that is definitely something that happens. On that note, think about what Sharon just said. We're going to take a quick break, say thank you to our sponsors, and we'll be back in just a moment here on Word of Mom Radio. Hi, this is Charlotte Felcher, and welcome to Kid Fun. I'm going to offer a very easy tip for having fun with the kids that comes from my book, Kid Fun, 401 Easy Ideas for Play. Kids love forts. It's very easy to make a fort. Actually, if you have a carton in the house, that's a great fort. They can play in it. They can have a sandwich in it. They can read a book in it. They can bring their stuffed animals in it. But another great way to have a fort is to take a sheet and place it over the kitchen table or the dining room table and then crawl under it. You and the kids and you can make it a library, have story time or a cafe and have a sandwich. That's my kid fun tip for today. You can get more information like this in my book, which is available at kidfunandmore.com. She is brave. She is strong. She is you because you're that woman who's got a product or a service that you're looking to promote, or you're out there seeking to support other women in business to help women learn, network, and build the businesses of their dreams. Because when you win, 
we win. We all know a survivor. Some of our friends and family have made it through difficult times. Some of us don't make it. Losing a loved one to cancer, a car accident, or any other unfortunate event can be crippling and unavoidable. But one of the hardest subjects to talk about is suicide. Too often our youth decide that leaving this place is easier than facing the struggle forced upon them every day. More than one in four children go through some form of bullying or another. Most of us survive with scars, but for some, the inner demons created cannot be recognized or treated in time to ensure they make it through. Bullying in every form is very much avoidable. It starts with me, and it starts with you. This is Kelly Carius from No Such Thing as a Bully, reminding you to do your part when you see bullying happen. If you don't know what that is, call 403-447-4404 or go to nosuchthingasabully.com. Don't let the name fool you because stadiumbags.com has a line of clear bags that enable you to use your phone and your smart devices without removing them from your bag. Not only that, but the product is so good it'll stand up to the cleaning solvents that you need to use now to make sure that when you come home, you come home safely. So take a look at stadiumbags.com. You'll see why we're your clear choice because safety, it's in the bag. And we're back on Word of Mom Radio. We are talking with Sharon Silver from proactiveparenting.net. You know, my son once said to me when my daughter, when the hormone fairy hit, (laughs) because she was an athlete, it hit late in life. And literally went upstairs, you know, I kissed her goodnight that night. Night, mommy. Woke up the next day. I'm like, oh, your hair looks so pretty today. Why? Because it didn't look good yesterday. And it was like, (laughs) oh, my. I just picked up my cup of tea. I just kept sipping my tea. And for the next four years, I used to call her Mount St. Courtney. (laughs) Because I never knew what was going to set her off. And I said to my son one day, I said, you know, it's insane. And he goes, you know what, mom? She's responsible for her actions you're responsible for your reactions. And I was like, huh, well, and I decided I wasn't buying a ticket to the dance. And so one day we were dropping her off at her dad's house and he's in the front seat. She's yelling so loud in our van that like the windows were shaking and she gets out and slams the van door. And I roll down my window. I'm like, bye, sweetheart. I love you. Have fun with daddy. And my son, I rolled it up. He was like, what the hell was that? I said, my life for the last four years. He goes, mom, I wanted to put her through a window. How did you not lose your temper? And I said to him, because you were right. She's responsible for her actions. I'm responsible for my reactions. And I just refused. And it's funny because it took her moving all the way across country and everything else to realize my brother, my sons used to tell her all the time, mom is the best friend you're ever going to have. She will always be there for you. She will drop anything she is doing if you need her. It took her moving for her to realize that. And it's amazing because now the relationship that we have is so remarkable. And let's face it, if you do the parenting thing right, because it wasn't my job to be their friends. Now, let's face it, as a parent, it's not your job to be your five-year-old's friend. It's your job to be their mother. You have to be their parent. They have friends at school. They have friends at church. They have friends at the park. You have to be a parent, but I feel if you do the parent thing right, as they become adults, that natural friendship happens. However, and my son and I went through it Thanksgiving, something happened and he was not agreeing with, and when I tell you what came flying out of his mouth, 
And I looked at him, I was like, I don't know who you think you're talking to. And I appreciate that I'm in your house. I am your mother. And I took my grandson for a walk. Yeah. And I sent him a text. I said, I want you to think about what you just said. And I want you to understand, I told you once and it's true that I will always stand by your side. I will respect your choices, even if it's not the choice I want you to make. And I will always be there for you. Don't ever confuse me with a friend. I am your mother. So this day is going to go the way you decide when I walk back into your house. Get away with that because you had installed what I'm trying to teach parents to install in the early childhood years. The ability for them to know that my correction is also mirrored by your safety. I am here for you. I support you. I will help you. It is a two-pronged situation, I believe, with parents. One is, what do I do with my wounds? How do I deal with the mind chatter that gets me triggered? And how do I support my child while still correcting them calmly and giving them skills? And that's what proactive parenting is all about. One of the things I want to make sure that your listeners get, and I would say get a pen because you're going to want this is that when you have that mind chatter going on, you need to stop and everyone says stop and breathe. And I agree with that a million percent. The other part of it is stop and breathe, but ask yourself some questions. Ask to interview yourself first. What am I feeling right now? How often have I felt this way? Where were these feelings created? When I was a child or now as a parent? What is my anger? pushing me to express? What needs am I not meeting for myself? Is my reaction to my child something that my child did, or like I said earlier, something that's happened to me along the way in the day? And the last question is, is my reaction in proportion to the offense? Once you have interviewed yourself, you get a chance to know you better, and you make the choice going forward. Now the question is, How do I support my child? Well, I've got, you know, tons of ways to correct uh, behavior, be mindful, do it with non-yelling over proactive parenting. But there is something that every parent can do, and I want you to think about it. I call it the attention vault. You can call it whatever you want. But we always say, I love you. Good job, buddy. And that does fill your child up with attention. And I don't ever want anyone to stop doing that. It's the best. However, your kids need other avenues of love. And some of the avenues of love come when you're correcting behavior and some come when you're giving them attention because kids are hardwired to find their belonging and their significance and their standing within the family by the way that they're treated in early childhood. So if you want them to connect to you and feel like they can risk going forward to do things they don't wanna do and change things they don't wanna change, they need to have a base of safety. And that's what the attention vault will give them. So what you want to do is you just call a family meeting. and You say one time a day for 10 minutes, I'm going to spend some time with you and you get to choose whatever you want to do. So immediately it's empowering for the child to make a choice every day. I want to read with you. I want to play games with you or whatever. They feel really good about that but you're also giving them the foundation, the respect and the attention that creates the safety and the belonging within the family. So they're willing to risk whenever you say, "Uh uh-uh, that's a no, you have to sit down. Find it within yourself to sit down now. 
and otherwise they can't do it, okay? They recognize that they are a key part. But again, the key takeaway is that you need to let your children know you're not there to always be the one to tell them that they're wrong. They have to learn it for themselves. And that's what changing the way that you correct behavior will do for them. That's such an interesting concept, the attention vault. What makes this so different? I mean, really, I've never heard something like this. Okay, so what makes it different is that when a child, what we're doing is we're filling that baseline of attention, that foundation and puffing it up. So the child takes withdrawals from it emotionally and psychologically when they have to risk doing something, when they have to be strong, when they have to be courageous, when they have to listen to you when they don't want to, when they have to sit still at school when they don't want to. So for kids that are having a hard time listening in school or saying goodbye to you, doing the attention well before you go to school fills them up. If you ever watch a child, when you fill them up with attention, their shoulders relax and their smile comes on their face. And they're like, aren't I the best thing since sliced bread? Now you want them to have that feeling. Because when I say that is not okay, and you know it, what do you need to do? Then they have the ability, and this is my next tip, they have the ability to access their brain. Because when kids are getting corrected, they become emotional. All of behavior is based in emotion. So when you correct behavior and you yell, what's happening is your child will withdraw inwardly just a little bit to protect themselves from your intensity. The attention vault helps to buffer that, helps to soothe that for them. And that's what you're really looking for. I love that. I really do. I just think that it's, you know, let's face it, they hand you that baby and it comes with no rule book, you know? Yes. That's why I wrote the book because it really and truly the book was written with um, about 15 years of moms telling me what their issues were at every stage of the game. And so I kept hearing the same stories over and the same questions. So I decided, okay, I'm going to put this in one to two pages, quick answers, quick ways to do it so you can keep going. And I've gotten you know, uh, emails from people in Newfoundland in Australia saying, your book is right beside my bed. It never leaves because if I'm dealing with something, instead of getting angry, I'm going to look up what to do. And that brings me to, I never want to leave any of my podcasts without giving a great dynamite tip. And this would work for you when you were having the incident in Thanksgiving, because it works with kids of any age. It's a two-word phrase that will shut down attitude, disrespect, and reset your connection in 2.3 seconds. Two words. But listen to hear how I say it, because that's a key. The words are, try again. There is a beat in between them. And the idea is that when, instead of screaming, don't you dare talk to me. I mean, you did brilliantly. You got up and left. But if you can't get up and leave, it is try again. And the idea is that when that child goes inward emotionally and tries to escape, those two words cause your child to shift from the emotional hemisphere of the brain to the logical hemisphere, because they have to think about, what do I have to try again? What did she get upset about? What is she asking me to do? And so the brain shifts, and now they're not emotional. They're actually coming back to grounded again. So that works for any kid. It's funny because when I walked back into my son's house, he just looked at me and he was like, mom, I am so sorry. So the end of conversation. That's all I need. Yep, Thank you. That, that was it. That was all right. I needed. Because when I was texting him, I said, read this in my voice. 
Do not hear this in an angry voice. Hear this in your mom's voice. See, now that's very rare, Dory. You could write a whole book on that. That I applaud you for because that is so key. It's like, am I saying this because I'm angry or am I saying it out of love? You know I'm saying it out of love. And that brings me to the last two things I want to pass to your listeners is people ask all the time, what what are you supposed to say when you're triggered? Because your example is perfect. I don't know too many parents that could get up and leave. I don't know that I could get up and leave, but I would probably open my mouth, then get up and leave. (laughs) So you have to ask yourself, well, what do I do when I'm triggered? Well, there is something you can do that is truly magical. Ask a question. I'm going to give you two questions that will encompass most anything that you need to ask your kid. And it does the same thing of shifting the brain from emotional to logical. So one question is, what am I going to say right now? Because you want them to say, what would mom say right now? What would mom say right now? The earlier you do this in early childhood, and I actually have proof in the child who's um, came in for the weekend, who's sitting in the other room can verify this. He said he was in the mall and his friends were trying to get him to do something he shouldn't do and he knew it. And in his head, he heard me say, don't you dare. And he heard mom's voice. He said, it imprinted on me. So I said over and over again, what am I going to say right now? And the second question is, what do you think you need to do right now? Both of those begin to, it it shows you the skills are missing. It shows you their level of thinking. It moves them from emotional to logical, and it gets them to start solving problems for themselves. And that's a lifelong skill. We want that. You know, it's funny. It it made me think of my, again, my oldest son. And I said to him one time, he was about 15. I said, I know you don't understand right now why I'm doing this. You just think I should say yes to anything that you're doing and, and everything else. And I had, you know, given him this whole thing. And I said to him, you know, but here's the thing, 10 years from now, this conversation is going to come back to you and everything I'm saying to you is going to click. So for that moment, then I say this now. Yeah. 10 years later, man, my phone rings one day and there he was. He said, mom, those words came flooding back to me. Yeah, they really did. He said, and you know what? You were right. You were right. I didn't see it then, but you were right. And for what you said to me, then I understand it now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you can't ask for anything better than that. We install what we can in early childhood and they make withdrawals from that information as they go forward. The question is, did we watch the silent messages? How did we respond to their anger? Did we guide them to dealing with this themselves? Or did we fill in the blanks for them, which is not something we should do. They have to figure it out with our guidance, with our support. We're along, we're their tour guide on this journey called life. And, you know, that's why I created a free gift, which everyone can have. It's over at my website. It's called the Emotional Decoder. It's the fastest way to understand and calm the chaos of big feelings. So if you like those two questions I gave you, there's 10 of them. And it's for those moments when the kids are really flooded and vapor locked in their moment, in their feelings. And you ask these questions and they start feeling the support as, lo- as well as 
this is the pathway you're supposed to take when you feel this way. It's not going to be unknown to you. I'm going to help you find this, but you will learn a lot about how to get out of being angry and triggered by doing this as well. So it crosses the board. And that's over at proactiveparenting.net slash decoder. We're going to have links to all of this on our blog talk radio site and on wordofmomradio.com. So all of Sharon's links will be live as we're wrapping up, Sharon. What is the last thing you want to leave our parents with today? You know, most parents think that a lot of the requirement for being mindful and authentic and, and empathetic means that you're supposed to do a lot of talking. And I want to caution parents about that because silence is part of parenting. And that's one thing that I will help you find in all the things that we have over at Proactive Parenting. Silence works for you. And I'll show you how. This made me think when my mother died, my middle son felt it more than anybody because mm -hmm. he was speech delayed. And there were times he would speak and I'd be like, lean over my mother, go, what did he say? Because she <laughs> always understood him. And oh. he came over and I could see he was so sad. And I was like, what's wrong? And he was like, I just miss grandmama. You know, she was more than my grandmother. She was my friend. She yeah. always understood me when I spoke. And I said, you know what, honey? I can't do anything with you, but if you want to cry, I can sit here and cry with you. And he was like, okay. And he climbed up in my lap and we cried together for 10 minutes. Aww. We both just let tears flow and he was done. I was done. He gave me a big hug and a kiss and he went off. There was nothing to say. He just needed to cry. That's and, it. You know, it's been 29 years. I can drop tears like that. You know? Yeah. But see, you're a great you know? e example of that place, that safe space that the attention vault that fills. You are that safe place. And they, he wouldn't look for anyone. My kids don't look for anybody but me when they're emotional. If they want life advice, they go to their dad. He's their men. You know, I mean, this weekend has been filled with, I am irrelevant at the moment. And that's okay. Talk about feelings. They're right beside me. But life choices, that man in there. So, what a, what, how wonderful for your sons that they have that in their parents. Well, I'm I'm grateful. We we have a great family. You have a great family. It's possible. And I tell the story I did because I want them to see my life, my childhood was just like everyone else's. It wasn't perfect, but I got there. I did the work. You can do it. If I can do it, you can do it. Karen, I thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. I really do. I encourage you, go over to proactiveparenting.net. We will have all of the links up. Get the decoder. Believe me, as a grandparent, I'm going over to get it because <laughs> now I have other kids. And, and, you know, I have the icing on the cake. It's not my job to parent them. I get to love them, but there still have to be rules. The next cycle of life. That's but I really, right. I, I thank you so much for being here. I think the work that you do is absolutely wonderful. I really do. And it has been a lifelong process for you. And I can't even imagine how many parents on a global level and how many children have gotten to benefit because parents have found their ways. The book, Stop Reacting and Start Responding, 108 Ways to Transform Behavior into Learning Moments get the book. Like I said, they don't come with rule books, but there are people out there that are helping along the way. So thank you so much. And for all of you tuning in, 
Thank you for being here with us. We're gonna close out with our fabulous theme song from Smith Sisters and the Sunday Drivers. So till next time, this is Dory DiCarlo saying go out and create a marvelous you. Bye for now. She is sure, she is sure, she is strong, she is strong, she is true, she is true. She is brave, she is brave, she is bold, she is bold, she is you, she is you, she is you, she is you. She is sure, she is sure, she is strong, she is strong, she is true, she is true. She is brave, she is brave, she is bold, she is bold, she is you, she is you, she is you, she is you. Sure of herself, yeah, she takes care of biz. She knows who she is, has integrity, woman strong and true. You know her by name, see this woman is you. She is sure, she is sure, she is strong, she is strong, she is true, she is true. She is brave, she is brave, she is bold, she is bold, she is you, she is you, she is you, she is you, she is sure, she is sure, she is strong, she is strong, she is true, she is true. She is brave, she is brave, she is bold, she is bold. She is sure, she is sure, she is strong, she is strong, she is true.